Hey, well, I am Bernie. I am the OG of this family. Um, the OG, OG stands for old guy. Thanks, Absolutely. There you go. Um, just wanted to give you a quick update on Afghanistan. Come on. Because we've been very, very involved um, in helping people and rescuing uh, different um, groups of people from Afghanistan. And just in the last few weeks, we've had some just incredibly remarkable things happen that um, they're of biblical proportions. So I'm just going to tell you one of those. There's, there's actually many, but I'm just going to tell you one. Last Thursday, I got a very distraught young man call me from Pakistan, and he called me and said, you know, his good friend, the, the, one of the ones that were instrumental in setting up all the rescues, and I can't really say a whole lot about it because this is going online, but he was very instrumental in helping us locate people to rescue who were being um, chased and even hurt. And sometimes some of them have been killed by different members of that nasty group called the TB. You can fill in the blanks. And um, so we had the guy that was really the kingpin for, for our contact people, he had been abducted by a group from a bus stop. Wow. And they threw him in a van, they beat him up, they tied him up, they were torturing him. They had posted pictures of him all bloody and said, we're going to cut him to pieces and send him back to you in, in boxes. And they're, 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 not, they're not playing. And um, so he called me, he said, he's my dear friend. Without him, we, can't, we have to discontinue all operations because he's like the man that makes everything work. And I said, you just need to pray because we don't know where he is. They're, they're torturing him, and uh, he was pretty upset. As you can imagine, he's like half crying on the phone talking to me. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I said, okay, we'll pray. So that was at uh, Thursday in the afternoon. So I called Pastor Dwayne and Jeannie right away, and we got some people praying. And I, I woke up at 2 in the morning very, very burdened to pray, and I spent prob probably 15 or 20 minutes just really interceding in the Spirit for this young man and, and just binding the devil yeah. and just really just interceding in the spirit for him about yeah. two in the morning. And then I went back to sleep and then I got up at five and did the same thing for about an hour, hour and a half. Then I went back to sleep and then woke up about eight and then I was up for the day. At 9.30, I get a text and this text says, Pastor Bernie, something miraculous happened. And I'm like, what? And then I get the next text. You have to understand we're dealing with Pakistan. So you got you got delays, you know. So the next one comes through and says, God has done something miraculous. And I'm like, great. What? <laughs> and it says, our friend just called. He is safe. Wow. And we're like, how? And he says, don't know. All we know is he called and he's safe. Then we find out this is what happened later after he got out safely out of the country and into a safe house, he told what had happened. And I'm just going to tell you very briefly what happened. He was being tortured, slapped, hit, cut, bloody, and they were going to kill him. And he heard one of, there was 17 individuals that were guarding him in an abandoned house. And he heard one of them yell, Drone! 
And then three of them ran outside, and he said the next thing he knew, there was a series of explosions, and when he opened his eyes, he was still in the chair tied up, but all of his captors, all 17 of them, were dead. All 17 of his captors were dead. He wiggled free, got free, took a cell phone off from one of the, one of the individuals who had lost his life, called his friends, and they came and found him. And he walked about four miles to a, to a main road, and he was rescued, and he was taken out of there. The only thing I can say is God answers prayers. Come on. This is like the 20th time that this type of thing has happened since, since September. I have friends who have been in the ministry for 25. I've been in the ministry for 37 years. I have friends who have been in the ministry for 25. They've been all over the world. They've been in 60 different countries. And they have said to me, since this started back in September, and they're involved over there, and they said, we have never seen an outpouring like we're seeing right now wow. with God through this rescuing and helping people in Afghanistan and in Pakistan. It is just unprecedented what's going on and we're just so thankful that we get to be a part of it mm -hmm. and you guys get to be a part of it. We have funded this whole thing. Our church has funded this thing and, and it's just, we're, I'm just so proud of everyone. We've put over a half a million dollars in helping rescue over 3,000 people's lives. We're feeding them every day. We're giving them blankets. We're giving them scripture. We're rescuing people from brick kilns and that's what's going on. But it's just, when you hear this story of this young man that was delivered, he was tied to a chair, and they were going to cut him to pieces. Hmm. And God, God sent something. And there was no record of drone attack. There was no record of anything. All we know is there was a series of explosions, and all the bad guys died. And the good guy didn't even get injured. The only injuries he had was from the individuals who had hurt him before the explosions. He had no, the, the building basically fell down around him and he was not injured. What has happened here is God protected him. Yeah. And if God can protect him around the world, don't you know he can protect you? Come on. Don't you know he can protect your family? That's good. Don't you know he can answer whatever it is that you have a need in your life? Yes. Don't you know that whatever seems impossible for you is not, not impossible for God? Mm. For what's impossible for man is possible for God. Come on. I just want you to take a hold of this and Let's look go. at this and say, this is not some storybook. I know these people. Mm. These people go to church here. Okay? The people that I'm talking to, they attend here. They are members of this church. This is not some guy making a story up. This is our friend. This is real. So I know part of it, and some people, they don't want to believe this. And I say to you, what, what you're missing by choosing to be a skeptic. I was, I was praying about this the other day. I said, God, how do I help people believe this? Because they're skeptics. You know what the Holy Spirit said to me? He laughed and he says, hey, there's people that still don't believe I rose from the dead. <laughs> don't feel bad. And I'm like, Jesus, that's true. There is people that still don't believe you rose from the dead. So don't worry about it. There's always going to be somebody who says, I don't believe it. Well, that's fine. Don't believe it. But the fact of the matter is, it happened whether you believe it or not. So there. Come on. So that's just all there is to it. So let's 
um, pair up with somebody right next to you, wherever, whoever, just find somebody and pair up with them, wherever you are. Pair up with them. Come on, start moving, you guys. Don't sit there like a bump on a log. Find somebody to pair up with. Now that you've paired up with somebody, what are you going to agree in prayer about? Okay? I would like us to agree in prayer, number one, for continued protection for our, for our people in Afghanistan because we still have people over there and we need them to be protected. Okay? So agree for continued protection over the people that, we, that are partners in Afghanistan. Also, agree specifically for our nation and specifically Grand Rapids for, the, um, for a spirit of peace to come over Grand Rapids and to stop the gun violence because there's a whole bunch of gun violence going on right now, right here in Grand Rapids, and we need to bind that murderous, stinking devil and stop these kids from killing each other. That's what's going on in our city, and we, that's not acceptable. We as the church have to say to the devil, no, you're not going to murder kids in Grand Rapids. Come on. Just like we're going to say, no, you're not going to murder people in Afghanistan, we're going to say, no, you're not going to murder kids in Grand Rapids. Yes. We're going to come against this gun violence and the other forms of violence. We're going to come against it. So agree together. I'm going to lead us in a minute, but I want you just to pray and agree on those two things right now. Awesome. Okay, just go. Great. Father God, we agree as touching the, the nation of Afghanistan. Father, specifically the believers and those that are laboring for Christ in Afghanistan, we ask that you put a hedge of protection around them, that no evil can come near them, no plague near their dwelling. Father, we thank you so much for delivering this young man. And we thank you, Father, that you will continue to deliver people. We thank you that you'll protect them, keep them far, keep the evil one far from your people who are preaching the gospel in Afghanistan and those in Pakistan. And, Father, we just put a hedge of protection in the blood of Jesus over them. And we declare that no evil can come near them, no plague near their dwelling. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Father, that the angel of the Lord encamps round about them and delivers them. In Jesus' name. And, Father, we pray over the city of Grand Rapids. Specifically, we come against this spirit of revenge and violence that's broken out over the past week. We come against uh, the, the gang retaliations and the, the murders that have happened over the last few days. We come against that spirit, that murderous spirit that's trying to grab a hold of our city and grab a hold of our young men. In the name of Jesus, we come against the spirit of murder. We come against that spirit of violence and in, in every manifestation that it might make itself, whether it's gun violence or any other violence, we come against that spirit of murder, that spirit of violence that would try to rob, kill, and destroy uh, people's lives. In the name of Jesus, we just say peace over Grand Rapids. Peace over the young men. And Father, we pray for the grieving families of those that have lost young men in the last week, Father. We just ask that your mercy would flow over them. And that, Father, that your comfort, your Holy Spirit would comfort them in their loss. And, the Father, we know that many of them, are they, they know you and they're believers. So, Father, we ask that you would comfort them and send people to walk with them as they grieve. So, Father, we thank you. Thank you, Father, for a spirit of peace 
over this city in Jesus' name. And we stop, we put the blood of Jesus, and we stop the spirit of murder in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Now, we just thank God for peace over Grand Rapids in Jesus' name. That was on my heart to pray, so Good. here we go. Good. Wow. Jesus, thank you so much. Wow. Can we give it up for the Lord again? Wow. That was powerful. Thank you for everybody who's praying in the room. Thank you for everybody who's prayed online and joined us. Sometimes when I, when I pray, when we all come and pray together, I get this image in my head, this picture. I don't know if you, you guys have ever been to like a water park before, but there's, there's this big bucket that's usually at a lot of water parks, and it just it drips, and then it fills up slowly and slowly and slowly and slowly and slowly until it breaks the threshold, and then some... Then, all of a sudden that bucket just pours out and all those little kids are standing just waiting to get drenched by all of that water, you know. And I feel like that's what our prayers are. As we like join together, it's like we are like beckoning heaven to move on our behalf. We're, we're taking the authority that Jesus has given us and we're commanding it to come forth on the earth. And it's like just these little drips, drip, 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 drip. And we keep filling up this bucket until bam, it reaches that threshold and we see mighty moves of God on our behalf, you know. I just, I believe, I believe that what's happening in this room could literally change what's happening right now, like thousands of miles across the world in Afghanistan. I believe that our prayers prayed at home or in this room could literally change the violence that's happening in Grand Rapids, that these gang members could actually give their lives to Jesus. Like at right now, they could be convicted of their sin based off the prayers that were just prayed in this room and for those of us watching online. So thank you for joining with us. That was awesome. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, Jesus. Wow. Tonight is something really special. I just, man, worship was just amazing. It was so fun. Thank you for those worshiping with us online too. It was really just powerful in this room tonight. And then leading into that activation of prayer, I just really feel like the Lord is really building just like a family here, a family on Wednesday nights. You know, I've been honored to speak at these Wednesday nights um, pretty consistently for almost a year now. And I just got to say, like, I've seen such a transformation in this Wednesday night crew. I've seen such a transformation in the people of this room. We've just, I feel like we've gone deeper into the presence of Jesus, deeper in our hunger for God, and deeper for our devotion to him. And I just, I just want to say I'm, I'm proud of you guys. I don't know if I can say that as a 22-year-old, but hey, I am. And I'm like honored to be here, you know. And I'm just really honored to speak tonight. Um, and I think what was happening here tonight is really significant. You know, the Apostle Paul, he warned, he warned one of his, one of the guys that he was discipling was a guy named Timothy, and he was warning him of some of the things that were going to plague the church in the last days, some of the things that were going to plague the world in the last days, and he wanted to warn Timothy so that he could be prepared and he could lead his people in a contrary way to the rest of the world. And this is what he writes in 2 Timothy chapter 3. I don't have this on the, on the screen, so you just have to listen. Bear with me a second. But it says, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. And he's saying this is, this is the description of what the world is going to look like in the last days. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, Boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful and unholy, unloving, unforgiving, 
slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And from such people, turn away. And I think what happened in this room, what is happening in this room tonight, what's happening in our Wednesday night family, what's happening with our, our online family as you're watching is we are living contrary to the world in these last times. We're building this family. I, saw, I watched people tonight say, I don't care what I look like. I watched people tonight come up and say, you know what? I'm a little bit uncomfortable, but I'm not going to love myself tonight. I'm going to love God. And they walked forward. That's, that's countercultural. That is not what the world is after. The world is after self-preservation. I watched a group of people come down front and say, no, not on my watch. I'm not, about, I'm not about myself. I'm about honoring King Jesus, whatever that looks like. That's amazing. We need to keep that. We need to keep that. We need to stoke that in others as well. I watched people come alongside people that maybe they've never met tonight. And they've, they've joined in prayer with one another. They've, they've been thankful to Jesus in this room and, and watching online. You guys joined in prayer over a people that you have never met before. Now, I don't know if you would call that loving, but I would. That's loving, praying for somebody that's all the way across the world who you have no connection with, but you're saying they're my brothers and sisters in Christ and they deserve to be prayed for. That's loving, and that is so countercultural. That's so counter what the world is going to look like. And I just feel this need just to say tonight, we are going to be ones. We're putting the stake in the ground tonight, I feel like, as a Res Life Church family. We're saying, though the world is going to be lovers of themselves, though the world is going to be unloving, unthankful, and brutal, and slanders, not us. Not us. Not in these last times. We can't afford it. We can't afford it. We have to be committed to love. We have to be committed to putting ourselves to the side, putting our flesh to death, and going after this thing with Jesus because these are the times that we are in. The stakes are high. The stakes are high for us tonight. The stakes are high. And so I just really, yeah, I'm even reading in verse 5 here, 10. It says, having a form of godliness but denying its power. That's not us. We literally just heard a testimony of the power of God that moves in a way that a lot of us have never heard before. Like we as a church family, we, we're not denying the power of God. We, we don't have a form of godliness and deny its power. We actually have the true and authentic godliness. And that's what we're crying out for. That's what we're committed for. So as we kind of transition into what I'd prepared for tonight, I want everybody just to extend your hands. If you're watching online, just extend your hands in a posture of your receiving and I just, want, I just want to pray over us that we would be ones as a Res Life Church family, that as the world continues to turn away from Jesus, as they continue to grow in deeper love for themselves and hatred of everything godly, that we are going to be ones that live countercultural. We're going to be ones that live opposite of the world. We're going to be committed to loving one another. We're going to be committed to standing strong in the midst of trial. We're going to be committed to being thankful. We're going to be, we're going to 
be committed to throwing out gossip from our life and slanders. We're, we're going to live countercultural in these last times. So Jesus, I thank you, God, for every single person in this room that has their hands outstretched. Jesus, I thank you for every single person watching online with their hands outstretched. Jesus, and I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would fill them with boldness, God. Would you fill them with boldness so that they could live and breathe and move and be according to your nature, Jesus, that they would live and move and be countercultural, Lord, that as the world continues to turn away from you, that we, as the darkness gets darker, God, that, that the light would get brighter, Jesus, Lord, that we would shine even brighter in these perilous times, that we would not compromise on the things that you've told us, but that we would go deeper in love for one another. We would go deeper in love for you, Jesus, that we would keep you as the priority, God, and that we, as a Res Life Church family, would be known around our city, known around our nation for loving you and for loving one another. Jesus, we honor you. We praise you, God. You are so good. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on. I, yeah, come on. Give it up for Jesus. This is crazy. Thank you, thank you, Lord. You know, the beautiful thing about following Jesus is that we're always in process with him. We never arrive. You know, Paul says in Philippians 3, verse 14, he says, One thing I do, forgetting what is behind and pressing on toward the mark which Christ has called me heavenward in God. He's like, man, I haven't arrived yet. I haven't reached that mark. And as long as I have breath in my lungs, I'm still in process and I'm still learning and I'm just so humbled and honored to be on this stage right now because, man, I'm still learning how to follow and, and walk in the ways of Jesus, just like all of us, right? Everybody, every one of us on stage, whether you're in the pew, we're all, whether you're watching online, we're all in process and we're all learning how to follow Jesus more rightly. And in this time, I feel like one of the things that the Lord is really pruning me in in this season that he's really calling out in me are, are two things. And I think this is one thing that in these last times the enemy is really trying to sow in the body of Christ. The enemy is working overtime to try to thwart everything that God is doing in and through the body of Christ. And I think the two main areas that he's working is one, isolation, and then two, in selfishness. And I think these these little seeds are trying to, trying to deep root into our community, into our body of believers, and into the body of Christ as a whole around the world. These two things, isolation and selfishness, and these two things are in direct opposition to what Jesus came to do on the earth. And so tonight, I, I just want to communicate. I want to communicate that we, as a Res Life Church family, we are committed we are committed to raising up faithful disciples who are biblically literate, who are prayerfully devoted, who are evangelistically unashamed and supernaturally bold. But we also are committed to raising up faithful disciples who are committed in love for one another and who are engaged in biblical community as well. And these are the two ways that we can really come against the enemy in this time, I feel like, is one, by growing in our love for one another and growing in our community that we have with the believers that are around here. And honestly, as I look at the Res Life Church family here and maybe even online as you're watching, like, it was a beautiful scene of community tonight. 
Like, how did it feel when we were all coming together, joining together in prayer as my dad was leading us in communion prayer and we all came together and offered one voice to Jesus? How, how good did that feel? That made us feel like family, right? It made us feel like family. And I think that the reason why is because that's what God created us for. And I think we can see that all throughout Scripture when the Holy Spirit is first poured out on the disciples, there was 120 of them all gathered in an upper room. And the Holy Spirit poured out. They had everything in common. They were in one accord. They were together. They were committed to biblical community in and through each other. And the Holy Spirit pours out. 3,000 people come to know Jesus and 3,000 people are baptized at that same time. And this is kind of the, the conclusion to all of that. This is what it says in Acts 2, verse 42 through 45. Again, that's Acts 2, verse 42 through 45. This is what it says. And they continued, they being the disciples, continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul. The fear of God came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as any had need. What are the two things that we see throughout this scripture that is an evidence of what happens when the Holy Spirit falls on a group of people? The people come together, right? They come together they're, they're regularly meeting together, right? Just like kind of like a place like this, but also they're committed to the apostles' teaching, but they're also committed to fellowship, which means like, man, they're, they're coming to like a church service, but then they're also engaging with a group of believers outside of that church service as well. They were together, which is in exact opposition to what the enemy's trying to do is trying to isolate us, right? Number two, they were together Number two, they were selfless. They were selfless. They had a deep love for one another. They, they were all together and they had all things in common. They sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as any had need. They were givers of each other, right? They were givers to each other. They were coming, coming together and meeting the needs of certain people, right? Now that doesn't always look financial. Maybe it's praying for one another though. Maybe it is reaching out to somebody who you think is having a rough day or you see looks a little bit dejected and saying, hey, can I pray for you? Can I remind you who you are in Christ? Maybe that's a way that we can all be selfless, that we can come together and meet each other's needs. The two things that exactly happen right after the Holy Spirit is poured out on a group of people is these people come together in biblical community, in the church and outside the church. And then number two, they were selfless. They weren't looking to meet their own needs. They were looking to the needs of others and meeting those needs. And I think this is where we as a church family are going. The Holy Spirit is moving in and throughout this church. And I don't, I don't know if you can see it. Sometimes when you're in the midst of it, it's kind of hard to know what's happening, right? It's kind of like, like when you grow, like you don't realize that you grew like three inches in the past three months because every day you look at yourself in the mirror and you look the same. But when you look back at a picture of yourself from three years ago, you're like, holy moly, I grew a lot. That's crazy. It's kind of like my hair. I didn't really realize it was growing this fast. But then look at us now, you know, crazy. But I think 
what is happening in the Res Life Church family is so significant in this hour. We are growing as a body of Christ. Like, are you hearing what's happening? Like, what we get to partner with in Afghanistan, how we're involved in local missions, like with the, with the CAP program that we are involved in and res, literally rescuing girls out of sex trafficking. Like, we are growing and we are making new and deep bounds as a church and the Holy Spirit is so present on our body of believers. And why is it? Because I believe that we as a church are committed to these two things. We're committed to one, honoring God, Above all else, right? We give him the praise and all the glory and we don't want to take any of it for ourselves. And then two, we're committed to loving one another in these two ways by coming together and being selfless. And I think as a church family, this is where we are going. This is where we are going. It's we're refusing to isolate ourselves because sometimes it can feel It can feel nice, you know, just to not talk to anybody the entire day, you know, turn on Netflix, turn on a movie, turn on the television and just sit in your chair and, you know, just like chill for a day, right? Now, you know, there is like a Sabbath, right? We need some rest. So, you know, every once in a while, that's all right. But if we're doing that for five days a week, there's something wrong. There's something wrong. Like we're not meant to be isolated. This is what it says in Proverbs 18, verse 1. This is what uh, he's, yeah, in the amplified version, this is what it says. He who willfully separates himself from God and man seeks his own desire. He quarrels against all sound wisdom. Do we hear that? Like, he quarrels. He literally fights against all sound wisdom if he commits to willfully isolating himself from God and from others. We were made for biblical community. We were made to be together. And we were made for for selflessness, to love one another. This is... Again, Hebrews 10, verse 23 through 25, this is just talking about, man, the warring against isolation and the commitment to love one another and to spur one another on toward love and good works. Again, that's Hebrews 10, verse 23 through 25. It says, let us seize and hold tightly the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is reliable and trustworthy and faithful to his word. Man, we could stop right there. Praise God. That's crazy. He's faithful, trustworthy, reliable to his word. Verse 24. And let us consider thoughtfully how we may encourage one another to love and to do good deeds. Not forsaking our meeting together as believers for worship and instruction. As is the habit of some. But encouraging one another all the more faithfully as you see the day of Christ's turn approaching. You see, the, he, the writer of Hebrews understood what was happening. He understood this first, this second Timothy, or sorry, first Timothy three passage. He understood, he understood what was happening. That, that at the last times, there would be a temptation for people to pull away into isolation. In the last times, there'd be a temptation for us to become lovers of ourselves and only consumed with what can I, what will benefit me today. And that's why he writes to this group of people who were being intensely persecuted at the time. He's saying, let us consider thoughtfully, thoughtfully, like let's go deep in our thinking. How can we spur one another on toward love and good works? How can we spur one another on? How can we make sure that my brothers and sisters are not growing complacent in this time, but we're actually growing as Christ draws near. 
How can I make sure that I myself am not falling into complacency, but spurring one another on toward love and good works? That, that word spur has the idea of kind of like, a, you know, the, the spur like on a, a cowboy boot, right? When the horse is not going, it's not going in the right direction, the cowboy will literally jab it and it, it literally punctures the horse and gets him to go, right? And that's like kind of the idea is like, man, we want to encourage one another. We want to exhort one another toward these love and good works to move in the right direction that the Lord is calling us to. And then finally, he says, not forsaking our meeting together for, as believers for worship and instruction. Like, man, the temptation is for us to just sit back and say, you know, I'm fine. Like, it's me and Jesus. Like, we're doing this thing, and that's awesome, right? Now, should you have a dynamic, personal relationship with Jesus? You should, yes. But we are also called to be, we're also called to be gathered together as a community of believers, we're called to be gathered together to spur one another on toward love and good works, to war against isolation, to war against selfishness in these last times, and to give the sacrificial love that Jesus gave. Because do we understand the, the type of love that Jesus gave for us? The sacrifice that he was willing to give for us in our life. Do we understand that Jesus was literally in perfect relationship with the Heavenly Father and with Holy Spirit? He, he, he was in the best relationship that's ever existed in the entire world. They were fully loving one another. There was no dissension. There was no tension between them. They were literally existing for all of eternity in this Holy Spirit honoring Jesus, Jesus honoring the Father, the Father honoring Holy Spirit, and just this dynamic dance of just honor and love between one another and Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit. They came together and they were looked at the cycle of brokenness that we were in in the world. They looked at, they looked at the sin that was in my own life, the, the death that I incurred for myself that we Occurred, for our, occurred on ourselves that we bought, that we earned. And they said, humanity is cycling out of control. And it's only leading unto death, which is eternal separation from God in hell. You know what Jesus said in that moment? You know what Jesus said? He looked down on the whole of humanity. He looked down on on me, he looked down on, on us in the room, he looked down on you while watching online, he looked down and he said, their brokenness is so deep and it can't be redeemed in and of themselves. So I'm gonna redeem it. And Jesus, one of the most selfless acts in all of history, chooses to break his own dynamic relationship with the Father and with Holy Spirit and to come down to earth as a man, to live a sinless life, a life that didn't incur any death, that didn't deserve any death, but then he died on a cross and became a curse for us so that we could get the blessing of God, which is eternal life with God. But he didn't stay in the grave. He rose to life after three days this is that Jesus. He didn't do anything to deserve it. He was so selfless in his love. He was so, oh my, he was so 
committed to warring against isolation. He didn't want his people to be in isolation, in brokenness the rest of their lives. He wanted them to be forever in heaven with the Father. He warred against isolation and he warred against selfishness and he gives up his own life. He had every right, he had every right to say, you know what, humanity's not worth it. He didn't sin once, he didn't deserve anything of that cross, but he gave of himself. He said, my rights don't mean anything to me because if I lay down my rights, then I can redeem all of humanity. And he rose again and made a way for us to enter into relationship with the Father. And if there's any of you in the room, any of you watching online and you're saying, you know what, Jared, as you're talking, I I feel like I'm in that cycle of brokenness. I feel like I am in that isolation. I'm in this selfishness. And to be honest, I, I don't think I've really accepted or I don't think I've really committed my life to Jesus before. Or maybe you're in the room, maybe you're watching online and you're saying, you know what, I think I've been living this half-hearted Christianity. I think I've been focused on myself and I've been, I've been walking away from what God has told me to do, but I want to make it right tonight. It's really simple and I want to give you this opportunity tonight for you watching online, for those in the room, to say, you know what, tonight's the night. Tonight's the night. I don't care what happened yesterday. I don't care what happened last week. I don't care what happened months ago or years ago or how bad it was. Jesus' spirit is here and he's ready to forgive. He's ready to forgive. He paid a high price for your life. He paid a high price for your redemption. Today is the day of salvation. So with everyone's head bowed, eyes closed, I just want to ask you guys in this room, If that's you and you're saying, man, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to confess him as my Lord, which means master or boss. Like what he says goes. I want to give up the rights to my life and I want to follow Jesus with everything. I want to be committed to running from isolation and committed to biblical community. I want to live a selfless life for Jesus. I want to live in a deep love for one another. If that's you and you're saying, I want to give my life to Jesus for the first time or I wanna rededicate my life to Jesus. Would you raise your hand if you're in the room on the count of three, and if you're online, would you simply text text res yes, or type res yes into the chat. So Jesus, we thank you, one, two, three. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Thank you, Lord, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you for those who are responding online, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Awesome. Would everybody join in one prayer with me together? The Bible says when we confess him as Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, then we will be saved. And that's simply what we're going to do. So everyone repeat after me. Say, Jesus, I love you. Thank you for dying on the cross for all of my sin, for being so selfless in the way that you pursued I now commit my entire life to you. I make you Lord and I make you Savior. Holy Spirit, enter in. I welcome you. Teach me how to walk this out right. I love you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Thank you, thank you, thank you.
Praise God. Come on.